Hi, I'm Pastor Guy Burke. We welcome you to this week's worship with First Baptist Church Indianola. We also invite you to find out more about us at our website, www.fbcindianola.com. And don't forget to like us on social media. Join us now as we study deep truths from God's holy word. I want to welcome everyone to our newest and latest episode of our Deep Conversation series. Uh, this is where we dive into some uh, deeper topics to help those that will tune in and uh, share this on to help those in their journey and in their faith. If you're watching on Facebook, I want to invite you to like and share. It just gets it out to more people, can help and encourage more people. If you're checking it out on YouTube, we want, to, want you to hit that subscribe button. Uh, that'll help us get that specific URL for our church. Uh, and get more people to engage as well. Uh, we believe these conversations are important and can help a lot of people. So just those two uh, clicks can help us get it out to more people and encourage them. Super excited to have today's guest with us. Uh, this is uh, my cousin, my friend, my ministry partner, uh, Garrett Holmes. Garrett is from South Mississippi where we grew up in the Brookhaven area, graduated from USM. Southern Miss to the top, right? Also, uh, Gateway Seminary out in California. He has now re-entered uh, the doctoral program uh, at Gateway Seminary. So excited to hear about that. He's been pastor at Towers Baptist Church uh, in the Vancouver area, in the Richmond portion of Vancouver for a decade, almost a decade now. So coming up on 10 years. So that's awesome. He is married to his lovely wife, Jessica. They have five kids. Uh, you may remember Garrett from his time here in the Delta coming to our church to uh, to visit and share about the work in Vancouver and also preaching uh, for us on Sunday morning. So we're excited to have him. Garrett, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, man. I am glad to do this with you and uh, never thought it'd be this way, but here we are. Here we are. Here we are. There's all kinds of new things happening, that's for sure. So uh, uh, we're going to dive into a topic today, uh, a topic uh, about a disease that has impacted all of us at some level some form or fashion. Today, we're going to be talking about cancer. Uh, Garrett and I have, grow, growing up, um, cancer's impacted our family in some significant ways. Uh, I think about our Uncle Jerry, uh, who had a, a rare form of cancer that uh, took his life, and then our cousin Chad, uh, just a handful of years ago, um, succumbed to cancer and his battle with cancer. Uh, and, and Garrett's here today to share about his journey with cancer, because I remember when I got the text from Garrett about his diagnosis of cancer, I automatically went back to those other family members and how it impacted us. And I was speechless. I was in shock. Uh, and, and I think my reply to your text was, man, I don't know what to say, but I just love you. And, and we kind of went from there. But that's where we really want to begin. We want to begin kind of at the starting point. We want to begin at the thresh, threshold of all this. So the first question is this. What was your first reaction when you were given the news that you had a diagnosis of, of, of cancer? And what did you sense the Lord impressing upon you in the first moments or even the first days of learning that information? As I... Uh thought about this question I actually want to go all the way back to January of 2018 um, for a couple of years I've been dealing with a slipped calcified disc in my neck and every now and then it would get inflamed or whatever goes on in there and it would be excruciating pain so January 2018 one of those episodes hit me 
Uh, my wife got a very bad case of the, the flu. And so that's how our January uh, 2018 started. Um, as we were pursuing our permanent residency for Canada, we had to get some special type of uh, physical exams by a certain doctor. And I just had those done. And so uh, the results came back and said, uh, your thyroid is a, is a little enlarged. You might want to get that checked out with your family doctor. I kind of brushed it off because I was feeling fine, working out, doing those types of things. Um, get to the summer of 2018, my mother-in-law has a heart attack. And so 2018 just keeps rolling. We think 2020 was bad. 2018 was pretty brutal for our family. We almost lost my mother-in-law. And at that same time, um, I had gotten a call that said, we need you to come in for a biopsy um, on your thyroid. I'd never had a biopsy before, so that scared me. Uh, you know, the picture of a big needle going in your neck, and it wasn't the most pleasant, but it wasn't too bad. Right. So I get those biopsies done, and I actually take off on a, a mission trip. Um, I go into the interior here in British Columbia to help with a church uh, in their summer camp. And the whole time I'm there, I'm like, I'm going to get a call. I'm going to get a call. And I'm just, you know, kind of worrying. One of the other pastors that was there, uh, he was a good comfort and encouragement to me. And anyway, I get back. Um, and after I get back, uh, oh, no, actually, I had gone to Portland to speak at a kid's camp. It was there that I got a phone call um, and told me that my results were in. I needed to get back. So I made an appointment. Um, but I couldn't wait. And so I remember it was November 14th of 2018. I think my appointment was like the next day or two days later, but I just couldn't wait. I'm nervous, right? So I, I go to the, the, the doctor and I'm like, can you just squeeze me in? I just need to get my results. I'll wait. And I knew I had a workout coming up at uh, three o'clock that day. So I get to the doctor and I'm waiting and I'm looking at my watch. I knew I had to go work out. So I was nervous about being late for that. I was nervous about getting the results. And then finally, she calls me back and, you know, the words you don't want to hear, it's not good news, it's cancer. And so, you know, stomach drops, cold sweat, those types of things. And, um, but she was very reassuring, told me she was going to get me in to see um, a, a good surgeon and come to find out he's one of the top thyroid surgeons in all of Canada. Um, and so... Um, He's been great. Uh, but after that, I remember, I may have even texted you at that moment. I remember calling my wife. I texted a few people that I'm close to to let them know. Uh, and I just remember sitting in the car kind of in shock. I'm probably crying, uh, but I knew I had to go work out. So I remember very clearly pulling up to the gym that day. <laughs> and I go in and uh, I pull my trainer, uh, Allie, into the side room. And I was like, Allie, man, uh, I just got some bad news. I got cancer. And he's like, Whoa, bro. Um, he's like, whatever you need today, let's do it. And I'm like, you know what I really need to do? I just need to throw some heavy weight around today. He's like, whatever you need, man. So, you know, adrenaline's pumping and I was probably the strongest I've ever felt, uh, after that. Um, but what is very interesting one year earlier, exactly one year earlier, November 14th of 2017, I retweeted a tweet from this group called Oxano. They're a church consulting firm. And uh, they had actually retweeted uh, this pastor. His name's Neil Cole. 
And that tweet said this, do you ever pause in the morning and wonder if this is a day that will alter your life forever? Wow. And uh, I had never thought that I would wake up on November 14th, 2018 and learn that I had a disease, you know, learn that I had cancer. Um, you know, although my cancer was caught really early and it's very curable, I didn't know at that time um, that getting that diagnosis, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And no matter what kind of cancer you have, like our Uncle Jerry, our cousin Chad, theirs was very serious. It took right. their life. Right. Um, it's scary. Yeah. Uh, it's a very scary thing to hear. And um, yeah, I remember having conversations with yeah. my mom and other family members like, we don't have a good track record with this. Like this is, you know, we don't, we don't know exactly you know, how spread or what's happening with Garrett, but the lot, you know, the, the impact on our family has been, you know, huge losses. And so you, you're right. It was definitely scary. And so there, I'm sure there's many people out there, maybe someone listening today that feels scared as well. Um, so in those scary moments, kind of, kind of what was the Lord speaking into your heart in life? You know, one of the scary things about it was having to tell my kids, yeah. You know, we got five kids, all ages, and um, not knowing anything yet, I just had to tell them, and it was hard to tell them. Um, but I would say, you know, what the Lord was impressing upon me during those times um, was just to trust, trust in Him. Um, and I know that's really easy to say, right? right. Pastors can say, you got a problem, trust in Jesus. Like, that's really easy to say. But when you get those kind of words and you get those kind of, that kind of news, you know, even in COVID, you know, I've had friends who co-laborers in the ministry have died from COVID. Yeah. And you want to be able to really say, you got to trust in, in God. So it was one of those times in my life where, and you know where we live, uh, you know, it's very um, diverse. It's a very whatever goes, there's many paths to get to God type of culture here. And so I begin to think about how to change the question that I'm asking. Mm -hmm. um, instead of it being, why God has this happened to me? Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I'm a pastor. I've been a Christian my whole life. Uh, I do trust you. I do have faith in you. But why is this happening to me? I begin to think about how I can redirect that question instead of asking why, asking God, how can I use this to share about you? Yeah. Because I've had many people ask, how are you feeling? How are you doing? How's the church doing? Everyone knows I'm a pastor. They may not understand what that means, but everyone was always at, they still ask, um, how are you doing? How's your health? And it gives me an opportunity to talk about God's goodness, his faithfulness, his sovereignty and it really gives me a chance to really display that I do trust him yeah yeah that's beautiful that's wonderful and and, and I think in those moments we have to uh whatever that's like maybe you're listening today and it's not specifically cancer but maybe you have a circumstance um where it's it's caused you to be scared or fearful and and maybe just that step of reframing it or redirecting it uh, as you're saying uh can can get us back to to understand how God can use it, even though it's it's a valley, it, it's no fun to walk through. Um, God can still use it in some very specific ways. Uh, cancer has a far reach. Just a quick search for some statistics shows that 
here in the United States, at least uh, in 2020, the, the estimation that was that 1.8 million people would be diagnosed with cancer and that there would be over 600,000 people lose their life to cancer. So cancer touches so many in so many different ways. And that speaks to the church. And that's what this next question uh, is all about. How can the church best minister to someone that is dealing with a cancer diagnosis? Uh, I, I know I've talked with people. Uh, my uh, ministry assistant has uh, dealt with cancer and, and come through that. And uh, others in our in our community have dealt with cancer. And, and it's almost like when you use the, the big C word, everything kind of changes for those around you. Uh, so, so help us get some insight on the best way the church cannot be in that zone of, I don't know what to say, don't know what to do, but specifically minister in a, in a, in a really impactful way. Yeah. And, you know, I'll just be really honest from my experience in being one who has had to minister in those times, just like you as a pastor, whether it's funerals, hospital visits, whatever, um, someone calling you, we've had people in our church who've had breast cancer and prostate cancer and all different kinds, right? And um, But then to be one who now people are wanting to minister to you, just ask what they need, right? Just be honest. Don't try to push yourself on them and tell them what you're going to do for them in this time. Just ask them what they need, right? Obviously, they need prayer, right? Sure. We, we need to pray for them. You tell them you're going to pray for them. But as far as practical things go, um, just ask them what they need. You know, for me, during the diagnosis phase, after uh, I got that diagnosis, I just wanted prayer. I was feeling fine. I was still doing everything that I normally did. Um, but I, I appreciated all the prayers that our church family, the people I get to pastor, were offering for me and even my family. And uh, as it progressed, I, I'll be honest, I eventually just wanted to be left alone. You know, I... I got tired of all the questions. I mm -hmm. joked about getting a shirt, t-shirt made that said, I have cancer. I'm fine. Leave <laughs> me alone. Um, and that's why I say, just ask what they need. Cause there's going to be a time that people want to grieve. They're going to need to process what's going on. Mm -hmm. They're going to need time to reflect. They're going to need time to be angry. Um, there's going to be confusion. Um, and from my experience, they're just going to need some time to work it all out. Cause there's going to be doctor's visits. There's going to be tests, there's going to be all kinds of things that come up. And people don't necessarily need everyone's advice, or their comparison, you know, my uncle did this. And mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I didn't want to hear that, right? I was on my own journey. Yeah. So just pray for them. And right. you know, after my first surgery, we did have people drop off food and meals to help out during my recovery time. Uh, and that was great. But again, they checked with us. They checked with people in the church to see what our needs were um, just before assuming what they thought our needs were. Uh, but if I had to, to say two things, ask them what they need and pray. Yeah. And it may be even okay to just say, I'm, I'm praying for you and I want to help, but do you just need to be left alone? I just, I just want to be clear, you know, like yeah. just be, have that authentic conversation. Don't be afraid to have that authentic conversation of I'm here for you for what you need, but if you need to be left alone, I'm good with that too. Like, Yeah. Can I interject one more thing? Oh yeah. If, go for it. If I just thought of this, cause it comes up quite often. If 
you're one of the people who are wanting to minister, maybe you're watching this and you're, and you're one of the people who, who you know someone who has cancer and you want to minister to them, if you say you're going to pray for them, please pray for them. Yeah. It's so easy to go, I'll pray for you. And then you just keep going on with your yeah. life and your, your time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really did appreciate people who would, you know, this was before COVID. So actually people could come in your house and, mm-hmm. and, and hang out with you. People would come and open the doors and just spend a few moments praying. And they would say, let us know what you need. And then they would be on their way. Yeah. To yeah. me, that's the best way yeah. to help someone. And, and, during this and time. not only, not only that, uh, you know, if you say you're going to pray for somebody, pray for them, but if it's the right moment, pray for them then. Right. Put, put your hand on their shoulder and say a two sentence prayer and yeah. pray with them then. Uh, and and don't put it off, uh, because, um, that may be a key moment, uh, to, for God to speak and God to use that. So don't let that opportunity, uh, pass you by. And and I like what you said too, don't interject your experience uh, or what it was like for you, for your family necessarily without an invitation. Don't just automatically say, well, when aunt Susie had cancer, we did like, you know, have a conversation, but let them invite you into sharing this, how cancer impacted your family. Don't just automatically interject it onto them. Yeah. I've had many people say, you know, I've had thyroid problems and, you know, if, if we haven't clarified, it was thyroid cancer. Uh, and I've had my entire thyroid taken out over two surgeries. There was almost a loss of voice and all kinds of weird things that happened. Um, but so many people are like, Oh yeah, my so-and-so had thyroid cancer and they took out half and, uh, you know, all these things. And I'm like, Oh, that's great. Thank you. But I'm different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's no one size fits all. And, uh, and we, I think we all need to realize that. And I know people mean well, like I know they, they care, they mean well. And sometimes they just don't know how to react when someone says I have cancer, like freaks everybody up. So, yeah. Yeah, the, the big C, as people around here have told me, when I got the big C, everybody changed around me. And that's not what they need. They, they need that continual real relationship, not acting different because the big C came up, right? Yeah. The next question uh, is, not we, we're moving from the church to specifically the gospel. In what ways does the gospel speak into the cancer journey of someone? Mm. When we think about the truth of the gospel, how does that specifically speak directly into someone's journey in cancer? I love this question. Um, the gospel is the good news of Jesus, right? Or a, uh, I threw in the a joke. Uh, well, you, you've already said process. And so I had well, to, I had to, uh, you know, think about what you're saying for just, a you second. had to process me. Saying I, process. I had to process. You say a process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but the, the the gospel is the good news of Jesus. And what is so beautiful about that is it's the good news and that it states in Romans 5, 8, that even though we're still sinners, Christ still died for us. It specifically says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, if, if that doesn't give your heart and soul a little bit of a flutter, you may want to go check your pulse. You may want to ask yourself, do I have a relationship with Christ? Because that is the gospel, that we're dirty, we're broken, we're filthy, 
cancer-ridden people. We are full of the sin, cancer of sin, right? And even in all of that, Christ still died for us. Um, you know, and that's the message that we as followers of Jesus have been mandated and commissioned to share with the entire world. And one way that we can really display this, this gospel message, this good news message, and share this is by the way that we react to things that happen in our life. You know, I'm always bent to lose my patience. I'm always bent to get angry, um, kind of have adult temper tantrums sometimes. Um, but what we have to understand is how we react to things, because that ultimately displays, if we're followers of Christ, that displays Jesus to people. Um, one of my favorite verses of scripture, and probably many people will know this one, is Romans 8, 28. And it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been, a call, who have been called according to his purpose. It says all things. So great things, good things. I don't like to say bad things, but not so good things. Um, if for those who love God, we know that all things work together for the good according to his purpose. But what I learned many years ago is that we don't read verse 29 because it tells us the purpose. And that purpose in verse 29, it says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So everything that we, the ones who love God, you love God, I love God, probably most of the people watching this will say, I love God. Everything that we go through, those great things, the good things, the not so good things, they're to make us more like Jesus. So I had to stop asking that question, why God? And how can I use this to display Christ to the world, to my friends? How, how am what I'm going through, how can I use it as a platform to share this message of the kingdom. You know, when I am more like Jesus, when I am abiding in Jesus and he's living in me and through me, I display the life of Christ to those around me. I display the good news of the gospel to those around me. I'm not questioning God, but now I'm looking for ways to use what he's given me to expand his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, yeah. That's a good word. And I, and I think even in our suffering, a lot of times um, uh, in the midst of struggles or suffering, uh, we don't take time or we don't step back to try to redirect it or reframe it like you're talking about. But, but suffering really is a soul for God's glory. And, and it, it's where God's glory can grow in a different way, in a different light than maybe what we anticipate or what we want. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when we walk through that, and like you said, we're, we're displaying in, in our reaction what's going on, uh, there may even be a deeper opportunity in cancer or, or in whatever to where God can be glorified even more. And so often we just get uh, in just uh, inwardly focused in looking in the mirror and asking why instead of redirecting, like you said, how can you be glorified in this? And I think, I think uh, if we take time to redirect and think how, that brings about a freedom. Like that, that like opens up things for what God really wants to do. And until we do that, we're closed off. Any thoughts you know, on I that? just, 
I was just going to say, I just read something yesterday uh, on Twitter or somewhere. It was talking about the life of Paul. And you think about all that Paul went through. Exactly. Like, yeah. And, and when Paul got to the time of his death, he wanted it to be an act of worship. How many of us can say on my deathbed, I'm dying of cancer. Yeah. Like, how can this moment glorify God? How can this be a worshipful moment that points all of those in that room right. to Jesus? I remember when I found out about our cousin Chad yeah. and him getting cancer and his was, his was pretty, pretty bad. I mean, it, it took his life, Yeah. but I made, uh, I don't remember how many years ago, but it would have been spring break. It would have this time of year, many years ago. Yeah. Um, I took a trip because I mm -hmm. knew that this might be the last chance I get to see him while yeah. he's still pretty well. Right. And I remember um, talking to him and he said many times um, that, you know, he wasn't angry. He wasn't mad, but he was able to, to witness to nurses and doctors and even some of his friends from high school who were now coming back around the visit. He had a chance to mm -hmm. talk about the fact that he was going to heaven. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I never saw that side of Chad. Yeah, you know, neither did I. And I remember, you, I, yeah, and I remember you sharing, you know, that, hey, I kind of didn't know that, but he got really deep in some of these conversations about the Lord with people and, and really did witness in his last days. And, you know, sometimes it takes, unfortunately, it takes something like the loss of a life or a disease to get people's attention and really draw them mm -hmm. um, close into their fellowship with the Father. But yeah. Why not start that now? So when those things do hit, you're able right. to, to trust and have yeah. faith. Well, last question really is wrapped around the emotions that we can deal with when it comes to cancer or any other disease or grieving, whatever it might be, because whatever happens, it can make us angry and it can make us emotional and it can, it can cause bitterness in our life. So if someone is angry or bitter to God because of cancer, whether that's they're dealing with it or they have dealt with it or their spouse or their parent, whatever it looks like for them, if they are angry and bitter, how might you encourage them today? What, what might be a few um, just kind of thoughts or insights you would want to give to someone that's anger or bitter? Yeah, I think, you know, we have to understand as Jesus followers, Christians, um, our flesh is weak and the enemy wants us to live in our flesh. He doesn't really care what that looks like. Hmm. He just wants us to take our eyes off of Jesus in those moments. Yeah. And anger and bitterness are in our flesh. Mm -hmm. And, and I know that's a good pastor Garrett answer, pastoral type of answer, but it's deeply true. And when we get angry and we get bitter toward the God that created us and put us in his perfect plan for us, we need to think, like I was saying at the beginning, we need to really think and ask ourselves, do we really trust him? Do we really have faith in God? You know, we call him, here's your Sunday school answers. We call him all-knowing, all-powerful, all-seeing, the great healer, but do we really deep down in our heart and our soul believe that, or is that just good church talk? You know, one of my favorite stories talking about, do we, you know, if we have trust or if we have faith is I heard this story about these missionary 
this missionary in the South Pacific. Um, and he was ministering to uh, like Samoans in the South Pacific. And he was there learning their language. And uh, he was really trying to teach these people, these local tribal people about this word faith, but he couldn't really figure out a word in their language that would describe faith to them. And so he was in his little hut office one day there living in that village. And uh, he was working on some things. And one of the guys from the, the village, the tribe came in. And if you know anything about South Pacific Islander Samoans, they're, they're big, you know, they're big people. And so one of the guys came in and he just plopped down on a chair right beside this missionary. And he said, man, in their language, he says, it feels really good to rest all of my weight upon this chair because I know it's going to hold me up. And right then that missionary said, that's faith. We are resting the entire weight of our life. Whatever we're going through, we're resting that on God. Why? Because we know he's going to hold us up. Yeah, that's a great illustration and a great way to look at faith. And I hope that's encouraging to those listening because maybe you haven't done that just yet, or maybe you, you haven't been doing that uh, to really trust and place all that faith into a good heavenly father. Even though we may go through not so good things, a good heavenly father that's present and, and more than capable to hold us up in all of that. That's a good word, Garrett. But as we wrap up today, I want to give you a final word. Any other thoughts or any other comments you want to give to those tuning in? I would say, I know maybe most of the people watching this are from First Baptist. Um, and I do want to say a thank you. Um, you guys support us here by your prayers, by your financial resources, um, you know, your, your family. So we stay in touch quite often. But I do want to give a, a heartfelt thank you to the people of First Baptist Church of Indianola, Mississippi, up there in the Delta, um, just for supporting us. You know, you, you don't see me, you don't maybe hear from me uh, unless I'm able to come swing through. Um, but I do appreciate um, the way that you guys partner with us because um, this is a very expensive place to live. It's a very hard soil place to do ministry. And so we need, we need all the, the prayers and support uh, that we can get. But I, you know, if I had one thing to say, um, and I learned this from a good friend of mine, just of an encouragement to everyone who's listening. Um, when we think about life and where God has put us, remember that the Christian life is not about what we think we can do for God. It's about our resting and abiding in him and allowing him to fill us up and live in us and through us for his glory. And when we come across those things, disease, pain, hurt, brokenness, whatever is going on in your life, when you're full, so full of Jesus, he's going to pour out of you and he's going to be displayed and he's going to be glorified through whatever your troubles may be. That's a great final word. And I hope that everyone listening is encouraged by that and challenged by that and uh, to live out the gospel and to live out Christ in those moments. Thank you for sharing that, Garrett. Well, before we completely sign off, we're going to add a little segment here. 
And we're calling this segment uh, Malibu Moments. Now, y'all don't know where Malibu is, but me and Garrett, it's the road that we grew up on. Uh, and you spell it? Us, uh, <laughs> no, don't put me on the spot you, like that. You misspelled uh, it in your notes here. <laughs> I'm sure I did. And uh, so Malibu uh, Drive is where his family lives, my grandmother lived, our aunt and uncle lived, all of us. And it's where we spent lots of weekends and summers playing ball and doing all kinds of things. And so I'm going to let Garrett go and get his first, get his Malibu moment oh. that he wants to share from our time uh, growing up in South Mississippi. Oh man. There's so many like, uh, <laughs> you know, I was watching this video the other day and it was talking about um, kids playing yeah. in 2021 versus 1985 so in 2021 right. you're like mom i'm gonna go play don't cross the street you know have right. your phone with you yeah come home soon stay yeah. in touch for us it would be like hey we found this old shack down in the woods it might fall on us there's some old saws and nails and hammers we're gonna go play at it all our parents would say to us is all right take some snacks you know yeah. uh so i think about those kind of things how we used to would uh um uh, jump in the back of that blue Ford truck of my dad's yeah, that's right and like surf in the back of it down yes, the road exactly all the way to our aunt Kay's swimming pool uh-huh. and now you would be thrown in jail for that <laughs> you would be and, shamed, shamed on social media your kids aren't buckled in well and my wife is like how did you survive like how are you not <laughs> like severely like injured or even dead when I tell her some of the things and some of that comes out here because we bought a truck last summer and I'll throw the kids in the back of it and we'll drive around the church parking lot my wife's like no I'm like they're fine they're fine it's a Malou moment but you know uh, yeah. stuff like stuff like that going to our grandmother's house playing basketball stepping in a hole you know yeah playing football throwing the throwing rocks at each other <laughs> he actually right. threw I mean, rocks at each other cutting grass you know I remember one time, I think it was you, was chasing me around our grandmother's yard, and she had one of those gas tanks that was above the ground. Right. I think it was you. It had to be you. Um, and, I mean, I wear glasses. I've had glasses my whole life. And I was running from whoever was chasing me, and there was a pipe sticking up out of the ground. And that pipe hit me right here and knocked all of my teeth out. And because of that, to this day, I'm afraid of dentists. Thanks. <laughs> so. Hey, I, I do what I can uh what uh the pool the pool was the place to be uh it, it's warming up around here and so the pool was the place to be at uncle jerry's and aunt Kay's house and so i remember lots of times swimming but there's a specific time where we had the radio out there and we had the 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 i'm gonna blame this on jill jill had this cassette but she was still playing it uh the Def leopard hysteria cassette was blasting uh, while we jumped off the diving board and swam. And then we made our way to jump off the top of the slide. <laughs> we were cool when we did that. That's when you knew that you leveled up. Uh, and uh, so those are just a few. Well, again, none of the parents moments. said, don't do that. No. They're, they're like, just, you know, they're, they're up in the house. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> you got to love the 80s. <laughs> Popsicles that old shed where we would change clothes like <laughs> the pump house that's right oh. that's how far they live out they have a pump house if you know what that is you know so. i would uh I, I stinking covid i would love to be able to travel and go just like 
turn on the Def Leppard and run from the road <laughs> 300 feet down from the road as fast as I could and just and jump, in, jump the in the pool. Jump in the pool. I would probably slip a disc now because I'm 44, but um, I would hurt myself. I'd twist an ankle, tear I'd my pull meniscus. A, pull a hammy on the way. You wouldn't even make it. You pull a hammy. Uh, I'd do that just walking to my office. So. <laughs> all right. A few Malu moments. Well, Garrett, thanks for all the insights. Thanks for the time. And uh, we pray that this has been a blessing and encouragement to you. Invite you to share it on Facebook. Uh, we'll be sending out uh, through email in our church. You can share it with family members, others that may be struggling uh, with cancer or recovering from that terrible disease. I want to invite you to join us this Sunday. Uh, we're on campus and online, 1045, as well as you can listen to us on the radio, 6 p.m. on the local station, 1390 a.m. Garrett, thanks once again. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we hope to see you next time on a new edition of Deep Conversations.